Our text this morning is the, uh, the second reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I would like to uh, bring you back to, uh, looks like, verse 19. It says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. This is our text. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, uh, it, it, there was a time when uh, truth was a, a pretty simple matter. Uh, you know, what really was, was, was supposed to be the truth. But it seems like in these days, uh, truth is not as important as it was once. Um, we have uh, come to a, a, a time when information seems to be more important. And, and I, I can't really explain how that happened, but... Um, but, you know, you have uh, this great race for spreading information, Internet and media and all that stuff. And it just sort of seems to be less important about whether it's actually true or not. Um, it's, it's like people figure something out or so they think and they make stuff up a lot of times and they call it information. And then we're supposed to be OK with that. Uh, we we talk often. Uh, in our Bible studies, uh, you know, how doctors will say stuff these days and, you know, then they have to change their mind in, in a, a few days and uh, then government does one thing and ends up changing it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like we have no idea what actually is anymore. Uh, and it seems like the people that are supposed to be experts uh, know even less than we do because at least we say, well, I don't believe anything, or at least, I, you know, I, I end up saying that a lot. But whatever is said soon becomes a waste of understanding because it didn't actually come to be true. And then we get something else to replace it, and it doesn't actually help that much. Uh, I really hate that, <laughs> just so you know. But that's personal. Uh, some of this is going on uh, back in the church at Corinth, too. I, I mean, uh, I... You would, you would think that this kind of thing would be modern because information flies and, you know, that's the way it goes. I, I have to tell my kids all the time that, um, well, that, that uh, the stuff that they heard isn't real. And here we, we're getting the same kind of thing. People don't change, I guess. Uh, there are really three different sources of information being received in Corinth. Uh, information presented as truth and they're not the same or at least maybe they overlap a little bit but they're they're not the same uh, there's to start with you have greek philosophy which is i mean the corinth is is in the greek world it's in greece even as we know it today and uh they have philosophers and and the smart ones too you have uh, highly respected people in the world even today. They're respected. Socrates and Aristotle and guys like that, they are still received as wise to this day. Uh, and then uh, you have the Jewish thinking in that neighborhood. Also, uh, the, the Judeans that come from Jerusalem, they are Jewish Christians mostly, and they come in with their own kind of thinking about what's appropriate with God, and, and they are confusing people to some extent. And then the third source is Paul. You notice how short that was. 
he says what Jesus told him, which isn't really very complicated. The, the Jewish thinkers believed only a display of God's power is going to be a reliable sign that someone's carrying around the truth. Of course, Paul did that sometimes, and the Holy Spirit was busy working in the churches that he was uh, uh, visiting with, including Corinth. But the, it's like so often happens, uh, people miss the stuff. They don't see the signs as signs and they don't trust them. So they were undermining Paul that way. And the philosophers, uh, by and large, what those guys want is just, well, they would observe the world uh, around them and they would uh, look at what people are up to, what they think and how they're acting. And, and they would observe all of that and then they would design wisdom that explains all of it. Which is not a terrible way to go, but it's not truth. It's an opinion about what they perceive. Uh, uh, it's just not what Paul is saying. Now, Paul's signs and Paul's wisdom, he says, is Christ crucified. He won't talk about anything else. Which can be a little confusing because, well, if you look at Christ on a cross, if you think about that even a little bit, uh, uh, a man who is God, who goes to be crucified and to die, that doesn't look powerful at all. So that's going to make the, the guys looking for signs unhappy. And, and then you have the other problem uh, where it doesn't look terribly wise for God to come into the world in the flesh and then go die on a cross. That doesn't look like it would accomplish very much. It doesn't seem like wisdom, and, uh, and it doesn't seem like uh, it would be a sound approach for Jesus to take to save anyone much. So there we sit, and he's having to deal with this. Now, the world's understanding hasn't changed a lot, really, as I started saying here at the beginning. People feel vulnerable to all kinds of things and I know that this is true for all of you as well as for me um, we have concerns for health especially in these days especially the closer you get to your older years uh, that becomes a major problem because it always seems like something is wrong uh, there are financial issues because everybody uh, is up and down with that uh, to some extent and they worry about it. I know I do. And then there's the happiness issue. Uh, if you're walking around in life and you're depressed and miserable, then uh, that is a problem of life as well. And so uh, all that being in our faces all the time in vulnerabilities, um, those things if you're going to resolve them, require strength, uh, whether physical, mental, or whatever. Uh, they require wisdom, which we have in varying degrees. Or, or uh, Paul talks about uh, at one point here being well born. Uh, I, I, you know, there are people that are born with resources. Um, I suppose that that kind of advantage would be something you could hang on to as well if you're having trouble with. Uh, being vulnerable. Some experts seem very smart and some others very strong uh, in one sense or another and, and all of that to keep us on a good track. So a lot of times when we see something that looks smart or strong, we'll, we'll go on, uh, what would you say, um, 
uh, research their information to find out what makes them strong or wise. And, um, and, and sometimes it helps a little, or so it seems, but our own advantages uh, run a little thin. Because I don't know what it is about really smart people, but you can't do what they do. And, and, uh, and the same thing with people that are strong-willed and, and strong-minded in one way or another. It's hard to do what they do. But, you know, we try, and it doesn't work very well. And so you continue with your vulnerabilities. The world doesn't think much of you trust in God either. This is, a, as, as we sit here, we know that the, and, and this hasn't changed either, the world doesn't like Jesus much. Uh, and, and they don't like you much if you follow Jesus. It's just one of those other kinds of problems that pop up in the world. But if you think about how much you trust God, uh, ask yourself, does, does God tell you how to make money? Or does he help you keep from getting sick? Or does he help you avoid mortality? Uh, does he do miracles for you? And I guess uh, as, as we think about that, uh, we would say yes and no in varying degrees. Apparently it depends on what he's thinking instead of what we're thinking. And then the world looks at that and thinks you're nuts. Most think it is silly to hang on to that kind of assessment. And how could everybody be so completely wrong as we walk around in this world and the whole world says you're nuts and it's a really hard thing to argue with. Now, what the world hasn't noticed is that things have changed for you. It's true that you may not have had everything in your favor as you've come into the world or as you've progressed through the circumstances of your life. Everything doesn't necessarily go the way you want it to. Most don't have that kind of advantage. And even when they do have that advantage, it doesn't always work for them. But you are not what you were. You don't walk in your own wisdom anymore. You don't walk in your own strength anymore. Because you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You don't need favorable earthly circumstances or the favor of others to be content in the world. Because you have been changed. God chose you. Out of the blue, seemingly, God chose you out of the world to have his wisdom revealed to you. Everybody doesn't have that. Some people don't believe it at all. Some people think it's thoroughly nuts. But you have come to believe because God personally inspired you to believe these things. So what you have is his righteousness in Christ, no matter what anyone supposes. You are ready to go and be with God forever. And while you live in this place, you can live with that hope that something waits for you. No matter what happens here, uh, and no matter how you mess up what you do have here, he is waiting for you because Christ has died for you. You've been sanctified. Paul uses that word, sanctified. It means you've been made holy in the, the blood of his own son. Jesus went to the cross for you. So that you are not uh, under 
the auspices of the world anymore. You have come to be God's own. He watches over you. And everything is aimed at him bringing you home. Everything that he has ever done has been to get you to be home with him. He loves you. He cares for you. And he's doing that for you. He's, he's offered you inspiration and encouragement of his own Holy Spirit that lives in you for life, for love, for comfort as you walk in this world and to look forward to the world to come. The life of Jesus has become for you redemption and it waits for you to come into eternity alive and whole. There are many here with you that seem wise and beautiful and talented. Paul's language is interesting about this. He, he says that uh, the very least of God's power, his weakness seemingly, the, the, the smallest of God's wise thoughts, the very least of them is, are stronger than what any human being can come up with. They are like they don't exist at all. He has uh, shown the world that the wisdom of the world is like nothing. It cannot save you. It cannot help you. It cannot make you wise. It cannot make you strong. It cannot make everything work for you. It cannot make you happy. It doesn't have that strength, but God does. Compare that to God's choice to take you from being nothing of any significance to the world's understanding, to, to have been changed as you have been, to walk in the wisdom of God himself that he has revealed to you. He has shown you what is good. He has shown you what is evil. He has shown you what he has done for you. He has shown you what he will continue to do for you. He has shown you a piece of heaven so you will know what true hope is. That your mortality is a temporary problem. That your wealth is meaningless in this world. It's what matters really is the great riches of the heaven and earth that you inherited from your, your father in heaven. He is the one who loves you. He is the one who saved you. He is the one who has caused you to, as you sit here even now, live eternally. When your body dies, he will raise you. He will bring you home in spirit. And then when Jesus returns to this place, he will make you whole and perfect and eternal. That is a great hope. And that is what God has done for you. And that is what the world can never do. I'm always kind of stunned looking at verse 27. Uh, it says, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Stunning. Foolishness, weakness, lowness, non-existence even to the world. He undoes all of that. Well, why? Because he wants you to turn to him. The truth, the wisdom, the power, the comfort, the eternity that is his. For the world to come to nothing, or at least to change nothing in eternity, we come to God to be revealed in Christ. 
to go to a cross, to empty the tomb, to rise and ascend to the Father, to speak for us in his presence, to send his Holy Spirit to us, these things we have. The, all of that is, is for you, to be saved. And, and not just okay, not just kind of happy, but perfect. This is what he is about to make you. Perfect, holy, and eternal. All of this with his wisdom and his power, which the world can never see or understand. We have trouble with that ourselves sometimes. But if we would simply watch our Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the one who started your faith. He's the one that will complete it and perfect it. He's the one that has made you eternal. He is the one that has made you a child of God. He is the one that has caused you to be his own. And such you will be to the end. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.